So, um, commercial banking is critical to our economy. Banks need businesses, and businesses need banks. Without that, the credit system in the United States will be severely hampered. The title of this episode is Confessions of an Ex-Banker. And I would know I used to be a banker, amongst other things, business owner. Now I'm a podcast host. And I'm going to reveal a few secrets that I think every CEO should know in trying to develop a good commercial banking relationship. Because by definition, a relationship is something that's good for both sides, right? So it's critical to know all of the aspects of your relationship, because believe it or not, most things are negotiable. It should never be a one-sided relationship where it favors one party. It should favor both parties. So let's talk about the topic of checking accounts, account analysis, earnings credit rate, etc. So I don't want to go bankeries on you, but the amount of money that you as a business owner maintain in your checking account on an average basis is very valuable to commercial banks because they can re-lend out a portion of those deposits to other small business owners. So all things being equal, the company that maintains more average deposits, and this would be in a non-interest-bearing account, just your regular checking account, is more valuable than their other customers. Now, every month, a bank has a system which they track the amount of costs it's associated with maintaining your account. How many checks they pay, how many wire transfer they send, how many deposits are made, uh, a general account maintenance, uh, if you have any other services that fall in the category of what they call cash management, like remote deposit capture, which is a machine that you put on your desk where you could process your paper checks. Uh, fraud detection, there's all kinds of things. So you have your costs of maintaining to a bank your account and the cost of any other unique services that you are buying from them. The computer anal analysis system compares what value of deposits that you're keeping, they monetize them, and they compare them to what is the cost that the banks are incurring to service your account. If the balances are not high enough, then you will be service charged because the cost to maintain the account exceeds the value of your deposits. And conversely, if you keep excess deposits and the value to the bank is X, and that exceeds the costs of maintaining your account, then the bank will make a profit. Nothing wrong with that. However, there's one key ingredient that's negotiable in this system, 
and that is the earnings credit rate, the ECR. And typically that credit rate can range anywhere from one-tenth to 1%. That is a number by which the banks multiply your deposits and monetize the value in dollars to them. It's negotiable. Most of the big banks have an earnings credit rate that's very low, let's just say one-tenth of 1%. 1 the smaller banks will have an earnings credit rate of higher, maybe 0.75% uh, or 1% because you're trying to attract deposits. So the key is to come up with a peg balance, which is the balances that you will keep in your average checking account, which will cover the cost of your services so that you don't incur a service charge and you don't leave more money on the table in the form of a profit for the bank. And let's just say for sake of an example, that number is 100,000. You have to make sure that you average $100,000 in your account, you won't be service charged, the bank will, make an ex will not make an excess profit. And any dollar that you have in the form of deposit that exceeds 100,000, you put that into an interest bearing account with that same bank, or if their rates are not competitive with another institution. Good for both sides. Earnings credit rate is negotiable. At the very beginning of a commercial banking relationship. And a commercial banking relationship is not transactional. Typically, it's defined as a business that has some sort of loan. They have a good checking account and they have cash management services needs, which I discussed before. Typically, banks will put you on an account analysis if you are. Um, maybe a three million plus account in terms of annual sales to you. Less than that, they don't want to fool with it. They'll just put you on some kind of automated service charge and regardless of whatever your balances are, you're service charged because there is costs to support your accounts. And there is no such thing as a free checking account. You are being charged one way or another Maybe it's hidden, maybe you know what it is. But I hear a lot of people say, well, my bank gives me free checking. They do not. They are a for-profit organization and they have to recoup their costs. So that essentially is the topic of account analysis. To summarize, then figure out what the balances are, talk to your banker, what is it gonna cost me for my, um, cash management services to maintain my checking account and whatever the number is above that is where you should put interest-bearing money, if you will. That could be CDs, a money market account, savings account, et cetera, et cetera. So let's move to another area. Remember we said in the commercial banking relationship, everything is negotiable. Let's talk about the issue of a personal guarantee. If you are a corporation and there's a loan made to your corporation, almost 100% of the time, a bank will require the personal guarantee of the majority owner of the corporation. So if the corporation defaults and doesn't pay the loan back, they will come after you as the guarantor. 
simple. However, that amount of the guarantee can be negotiable. The length of the, of the guarantee can be negotiable. 100% of the guarantee at the beginning of a relationship can be wiped out. doesn't have to be there, but it's a negotiable issue. A lot of it depends on the strength of your company and a standalone basis. If you have a very, very strong company, then maybe the issue of a personal guarantee is not as important. If your corporation is a shell, is not in good financial condition, and then personally you're very strong because you took out a lot of money from the company to surround yourself with all kinds of assets, then a personal guarantee is more important because the bank is thinking that, well, it's, there's two pockets here. He can take a pocket or she could take a pocket from the corporate funds and put it in their personal. So if they divert funds and I'm loaning to the corporation, I'm really loaning to both of them. However, there are certain things you can negotiate as indicated. What about if, let's say, you start off with a $500,000 guarantee and you have a $500,000 loan? You can negotiate the reduction of your personal guarantee in connection with the reduction of the debt. So let's say that in a five-year terminal, you're clipping off $100,000 in principal every year. For five years, it's going to be paid off in full. You can negotiate in the loan documents that your guarantee is decreased $100,000 every year, commensurate with the amount of your principal reduction on the bank loan. That's negotiable. Let's talk about some other issues. Financial reporting. Financial reporting is a buzzword in banking, which really means what type of financial statements must you submit to the bank in order for them to monitor the financial condition of your company while their loan is outstanding? There's all kinds of financial statements. There's tax returns. There's CPA prepared financials, either on a compiled or reviewed statements. There's your in-house financials that are not blessed by a CPA. Which one are they talking about? Because each has a different cost. It is certainly more expensive to you if the bank requires CPA reviewed financial statements under the financial reporting umbrella, as opposed to just being happy with the financials that you create in-house. I'm just guessing, CPA reviewed statements might run around $15,000 with a reputable CPA firm. You just save yourself $15,000 in one year. You need to negotiate that. Again, your ability to negotiate, the strength comes from the financial condition of your company. If your company is very weak, you don't have a lot of leverage in the negotiating table. But if it is very strong, you do. And anything in between. So you have to be sure who's coming from the position of strength. If you are a very, very strong company and many, many banks would like to have you as a customer, you have a greater chance to negotiate certain items with your commercial bank because they know the competition will swoop you up in a hurry. So that's it for financial reporting. Let's talk about covenants. 
Covenants is a fancy word for ratios that the bank will expect you to maintain. And they review those ratios by reviewing your financial statements. And these covenants are indicators to the bank how strong your company is doing, such that if you were to violate or not be able to hit a ratio, then the red light warning goes on to the bank that something's happening to your company where it is becoming weaker, which means their loan is in jeopardy. So they will monitor your covenants. These could be um, the level of working capital. There's a ratio associated with that. It's called a current ratio. It might be how much debt that you're incurring. That's called a leverage ratio, which is how much debt you have versus your equity and all kinds of ratios. But those are negotiable upfront when you're signing the loan documents. And the idea is to not set yourself up for a fall, do not accept a very punitive covenant that will allow you no wiggle room because then you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. So negotiate what it is an appropriate covenant that you believe that you can meet that meets the bank's standards and everybody's happy. But I've had clients who sign loan documents, they don't even look at the covenants. And every year they're violating the covenants because they're too strict. And what happens when a covenant is violated, the bank must send you a letter indicating that, what's going on here? You violated this covenant. We're going to waive it for right now, but if you keep doing this, we're going to kick you out of here. You don't want that, and neither does the bank. So that's covenants. Let's talk about something else in your commercial banking relationship in order to make it a bilateral beneficial situation. One of the greatest things that you could do if you're happy with your bank is to refer other friends to them because then you become valuable more valuable to the bank. So the conversation might be something like, hey, Jane is a great customer. She's got a great company. She has good deposits. Um, she meets all her covenants. She's always timely with the financial information. And she's always saying good things about us. Now, why is that important? There could be down the road, an issue where you need what normally would be considered a aggressive loan to expand. And the bank will evaluate the entire relationship and say, you know what, this one, we're on the fence on this one, but this company is, the owner is so conscientious of referring us and making us look good we are going to approve this, where if you're John Q. Public and you come off the street asking for the identical loan, they won't do it. What's in it for them? Well, let's talk about another secret. There is a misconception that 
SBA loans are SBA loans. They're not. The normal, most popular SBA program is the 7A program. When you hear the term SBA loan, it's really a bank loan secured by the SBA, which is an agency of the federal government. So you're going through the same loan officer as if you were applying for a non-SBA loan. That's important because you have to stand on its own. Your, your company requests for a loan has a stand on its own. It's just not automatically approved just because it's going to be sent through the SBA program by the bank. The SBA will guarantee to the bank a certain percentage of the loan. So if you default, the SBA will make sure that the bank gets out of this hole by collecting on the debt. So it's really an insurance policy. SBA loans are more expensive than conventional loans. So if your bank tells you that the only way that they can approve your loan is through the SBA program, that is their opinion, maybe not some other bank's opinion, and you may be strong enough to stand on your own, but the bank just wants the SBA guarantee as additional collateral, if you will, or credit enhancement in the event that something goes wrong. Also, a lot of banks make SBA loans and they sell them on the secondary market and they make money on them. So you may not need an SBA loan, but they're gonna push for you to adopt and approve and agree with their opinion that you need an SBA loan in order for you to qualify. But it's really a moneymaker for them. Now, I'm not here to say that all banks are dishonest. Many of them not. Many of them are great. They're customer-oriented. However, don't forget that the bank is a for-profit institution. So what the bank wants to make sure is that they make a profit. They don't want to lose money. And your individual rep, if you will, your banker, your relationship, his or hers primary objective is to keep their job. They're not going to go out on the limb too far for you. To the extent that their superiors are asking them you're pushing too hard on this one, Bob. Why are you doing that? And your honest, your honest answer is, because I believe in the customer and I believe in the owner. They know what they're doing. And the credit administrator will say, well, I'm sorry, that's not per policy, so don't push it. So you have two choices. You don't push it anymore, which means you don't have a strong advocate of your business within the organization. Or you push it. If you push it and the deal blows, your reputation at the bank is tainted in many cases um, forever. You were the guy that made the bad loan. You were the guy that pushed to insist that they have a bad loan. So most of the infrastructure of a commercial bank today is set up by the salespeople 
who go by all kinds of different names, account officers, relationship managers, and the credit people. The credit people have the power of the pen to approve your loan requests. You need to meet those people because the salesmen are going to tell you, this is the things that we think we can do. I like this. This is going to be a slam dunk. But they don't have the authority. All they want to do is take your deal off the street so you're not talking to competitors and have you start talking to them. But there is no assurance that the loan will be approved because the person who's really going to approve it has only seen a glimpse of the information. And in many cases, you get what I call the 11th hour surprise. Everything's going great. Then all of a sudden, you talk to your loan your not your loan administrator, your loan rep, your salesperson, and they say, I'm sorry, but we had to turn the loan down. And you never met this person. They never come out to see your operation. So if you are contemplating any type of loan for growth for your company and you're with a commercial bank, make sure that you request to meet the ultimate decision maker on your deal. Sit down with them eyeball to eyeball. Tell them about the, your operation, why you are competitive, a little bit about your background, your people, your culture, your organization, your business model, because they are the ones that need to be impressed. In many cases, the transfer of communication from your sales rep to the credit guy is not nearly as good as it would be if it were you talking to the credit guy directly. And remember, the goal is to get that loan, to expand the business, to take advantage of an opportunity that you have. And nobody, nobody knows the business better than you. Does that make sense? Now, this is the way it used to be. It's even more difficult now as all we've all been reading about and I've had guests on the show prior that you've got post-COVID issues, you've got rising interest rates, you have a possible recessionary economy, you have banks that have failed. And so you're, it, it's incumbent upon you that if you want to play the money game, and here's, this, here's, what, here's a, a big secret, the money game you just have to bone up. You just have to research. You have to understand what's happening with your company, with, with your industry. You have to understand what's happening with your bank. Are they pulling back? Are they getting out of certain industries? What are they good at? What's their size? What's their turnover? Who's your loan officer? What's his or her reputation? How long has she been doing this? What are the most critical things in your ability to have a great banking relationship and to get loans you need to expand because it's very difficult to expand with your own money is to create a chemistry. Um, or an atmosphere or a feeling amongst the banking officers that you know what you're doing. You're on top of it. And when you do that, 
it's a lot of it is just chemistry. They can tell when you speak, you know what you're doing, you know the industry, you know the trends, and they feel more at ease and they feel that the loan will be less risk because banks want to avoid making a bad loan at all costs. Typically, a bank will make 1% on a loan. And so if one loan goes bad where they have to write it off, they have to make almost 10 other good loans to make up with that. So they're more inclined to turn loans down than approve them. And what you need to do is to make sure that you give them all of the warm fuzzies that they possibly could have in that your knowledge of the operation. So that concludes our episode on confessions of an ex-banker. And I, I know it intimately well because I used to be a banker myself. If you like the show, Give me a five-star review. Give me a rating. If you're looking at my show via YouTube, give me a like, subscribe. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. And now what I'd like to do is take a little bit of time to thank my sponsors, which is the Small Business Development Corporation of Orange County and LA, and the Center of Entrepreneurship associated with Cal State San Bernardino University. Um, and Lou Desmond, well, he, the name of the company is Desmond and Lewis, um, which is a full service marketing company. Those are my sponsors. I appreciate their contributions and I will see you on our next episode, which will be December 19th. And because it's six days away from Christmas. I have a special show lined up. Thank you for listening. See you later. Bye-bye. This has been CEO to Rainmaker with Gene Valdez. To find out more, like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. If you have questions, email the show. Find that link and others in the show notes. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.